Welcome to Momentum Church. Good morning, everybody. My name is Tyler Wilkes, and I am the youth pastor here at Momentum Church. I get the honor of serving your middle school and high school students, um, and it's such a joy. And if you, will, if you will have some grace for me today, this is my second time ever preaching to the big kids, okay? <laughs> so usually in middle school, what we love to do is, and, you know, I, and I hear it all the time, is we learn more things when, when we can laugh and we can enjoy the things that we're listening to. So are we okay with having a little laugh, hopefully, today? Is that okay with everybody? Yes? Okay. Good, because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about myself as a middle school and we're going to laugh at myself as a middle schooler. Okay, did anybody else have a super awkward middle school experience? Raise of hands. My wife is one of those weird people that loved middle school, and I'm like, you, woman, you are crazy. How can you enjoy the introduction to puberty? <laughs> you know, I went, I went into sixth grade a really tall, lanky, um, pimply, voice-cracky kid, and a lot of my friends that were in sixth grade were already, like, well, they were still, like, four feet tall, and so, it, you know, it was enough just to kind of blend in at that point when you stick out as much as I did, and growing up as a kid, I always played sports, so, you know, sports was, like, life until I got to middle school, and one day, my friend, he, he introduced this music to me called metal music. You guys know what metal music is? Yeah. We all do. It changed my life forever. And all of a sudden, with the shredding guitars and the screaming vocals and everything, I realized I no longer wanted to be a, a sports, sports ball player. Oh, my gosh. I say, I say sports ball way too much. It's now a part of my vocabulary. I no longer wanted to be this athletic kid, obviously, that you just don't see before you. But, you know, I, I wanted to be a rock star, right? That was, that was the image I wanted. And so what I started to do is I started to changed a little bit the way I dressed. And back then, you know, we didn't have, men didn't have skinny jeans. So it was like the baggy jeans, long t-shirts. I started growing out my hair. It got super curly and gross looking. But I didn't care because it covered up my weird forehead. But anyway, and so I started to shape my lifestyle around the image that I had created. And I told my parents one Christmas, I said, Mom and Dad, I want an electric guitar. And some of you in here, maybe your kids have told you that before. Normally, somebody that wanted to learn how to play guitar would say, I would like to learn how to play guitar, mother and father. But no, Tyler at middle school, about 13 years old, wanted to be a rock star, right? So I said, I need an electric guitar. They're like, oh, okay, we'll buy you an acoustic, get you some lessons. No, electric guitar. I wasn't that demanding. I wasn't that bad of a kid. So, but, so Christmas rolls around, and I get my Yamaha electric guitar with the 15 watt amp in it and there is this button some of you know this button you just press it and everything goes from nice and sounding like birds to like like really angry right and so it's the distortion button and and I remember I had a, I had a camcorder and those of you that don't know what a camcorder is we used to not have cameras on our phones and um, so I had a camcorder that had VHS tapes and if you don't know what VHS is ask your parents but I set it on my desk and in my clothes that were too big for me, and my long hair, and my guitar strapped around me, and me standing in my power stance, right, 
That's not what my power stands for. But I start to just strum this guitar with, you know, I wasn't doing anything with my left hand. So I'm just strumming this guitar as loud as I can, just imagining myself as a rock star. And my poor parents had to suffer because those of you that have ever played an instrument, you know, especially a stringed instrument, if you don't do anything with your left hand, it's going to sound terrible, right? It just sounds like cats fighting. And so thank God that he began to develop in me something, a desire different than that of a rock star, but one that was coupled with that lifestyle, but also with ministry. And my heart began to change towards people, and God started to shape something different in me. And maybe, you know, you think back to your childhood, and you can remember things that you dreamed for and hoped for today. Maybe you imagined yourself in a different place than you're at today. The image that you had placed on yourself as an adult, the expectations are different. And today, we're going to talk about being an image bearer. Maybe you struggle with image now. Your, your career didn't turn out the way you expected to. Maybe a marriage didn't turn out the way you expected to. Your income isn't where you expected it to be. Your confidence level is down. Maybe your physical appearance. You know, my doctors told me all the time I was going to be six foot four. And then my torso grew to that of a six foot four person. My legs stopped when I was 14. So <laughs> I realized that because every time I sit in the car after my dad, who's a little bit taller than me, I have to scoot the seat forward. Have one of those like electric, he has one of those electric seats in his car. So it's like awkward. It's like, anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. I get, you know, youth pastor. It's an excuse. <laughs> and so maybe things haven't turned out the way that you expected them to. And maybe you've expected them for so long that you're starting to get frustrated at God because the image that you created that you thought God was also creating in you hasn't worked out. We're going to look at a, a couple of different interactions with this group of people called the Pharisees today. They were the religious elite of Jesus' time. They were the ones in charge of leading the Jewish people in the things of God, in maintaining God's word, in maintaining the Sabbaths, and doing so with the heart of God. And we're going to talk about their interactions with this person called the Messiah. But first, we have to talk about their image of who the Messiah was. And to the Pharisees, they expected the Messiah, can I have the slide, please? <laughs> to be a strong warrior king, a political figure, and someone that would uphold their traditions. Because what I think a lot of times we do is when we look at the Pharisees, we start to be like, oh man, those guys were idiots, right? They didn't see Jesus, he was right in front of them. Oh my gosh, how dare they, right? But when we start to look at their expectations, the expectations that were built from 400 years of teaching. Can you imagine if generation after generation you've learned something and then all of a sudden this person comes along named Jesus and he's not what you expected at all. We're going to read a few verses today here and then we'll get into a main text. First, we're going to start out in Matthew 9, verse 10 through 13. Jesus, the friend of sinners. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat 
with tax collectors and sinners, those awful people who would never be welcome in my temple, right? That doesn't sound familiar at all, does it? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. When he talks about the righteous, obviously the Pharisees were self-righteous, weren't they? They thought they were God's gift to the world. And we see next that Jesus was a healer on the Sabbath. In Luke 6, verses 6 through 9, on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it. And then Jesus goes on to heal the man's hand. And next we see Jesus, the forgiver of sins, who, who the disciples said in um, Mark 2, 3 through 7, some men came, to, uh, came bringing, on, bringing to him a paralyzed man carrying four, carried by four of them. My goodness, why am I having so much trouble? Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. By digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. This is something that Pastor Stephanie, she speaks on all the time at Most Essentials, and it gets everybody's tears, just, the waterworks just start flowing, right? Carrying, carrying the four corners of the mat. I'm not going to let her preach that sermon. I'm not going to do it as well as she does it. But when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. <laughs> The Son of God is blaspheming. Who can forgive sons, uh, sins but God alone? And lastly, we see time and time again where Jesus is at odds with the Pharisees. And in Matthew 12, 33-35, we see this interaction. Make, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And Jesus says, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And lastly, in our, in our main text today, and if you'll go ahead and stand and we can, we'll read God's word this morning, the verse will be up on the screen. We see Jesus who's been teaching in the temple a couple of days. And, and he's had interaction after interaction with the Pharisees, and they're constantly getting, you know, in these discussions, and they're, they're trying to, to catch Jesus, right? And so they're fed up with it. And if you'll read with me here in Matthew 22, verse 15 through 19, it says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent him, their disciples, to, to him, along with the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were, were also Jewish people, but they were sympathizers of Herod, who was the, the Roman ruler at the time. So just imagine, right? Anytime you get, get in a fight or a scrap with somebody, you're taking all your friends that you can take with you, right? And they're going to be on both sides. You're going to have, like, people that are, that are quick that you can run, that can run. Then you can have a slow person that can't run as fast, so you can outrun them, right, if you need to. But so the Pharisees are approaching Jesus, and so they've got the Jewish people 
and the Roman sympathizers. I want you to keep that in mind as we read this, okay? Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, right? I just, I said that like I was, you know, in theater because it's like, they obviously didn't mean that, right? They were approaching Jesus not saying that he was a true teacher. They were saying, oh, hey, if we build him up, maybe he'll make a mistake. And it continues on. Next slide. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their miracle, said, or their malice, miracle, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And the interesting thing is that there were two coins in that day. And I do, this is, I get lost in this stuff because I love doing this research, right? So when, when they show details like, oh, they brought him a denarius, Jesus didn't say, bring me a denarius. Jesus said, bring me a coin for the tax. So the denarius was the Roman currency, but there was a temple tax that got paid that was this thing called a Tyrian shekel. And so when Jesus says, give me the coin for the tax, the first thing they do is they reach out and they hand him a denarius. And this isn't in the text, but if you will allow me just a little bit to kind of imagine ourselves in this situation, right? Jesus is talking about a coin, obviously. But I feel like he's, he's talking about a little bit more, right? Maybe he's calling the Pharisees out a little bit. Because Jesus, he's good like that, right? He knows, he knows when things are about to happen. He's got Holy Spirit. And so... Jesus knows and he sees that everyone carries an image with them. And in this interaction, they hand the first coin that's in their pocket, a Roman coin. A Jewish leader hands him a Roman coin. If I said, hey, you know what, um, drop some money in my Venmo, right? Because you got to say that nowadays. Nobody uses cash, right? Because it's dirty, gross, right? Anyway. Drop some money in my Venmo. You're not going to give me a Tyrian shekel, right? You're going to give me like a dollar bill, and it's got an image and inscription on it. So they had allowed culture to shape so much of their lives and their image that the first thing they gave was something with a graven image on it. It wasn't in honor to God. It was in honor to Caesar. So we see here, we read along in Matthew 20 here, it says, And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. You see, on the front side of this coin was an inscription of um, Tiberius. I believe it was Tiberius. I'm sorry. I'll check my facts later. <laughs> but it, was, it said Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus, around it. Just like it says in God, we trust in around our coins. And on the back side was the Roman god of peace, Pax, an inscription around that that said high priest. And so the, Philist, the, wow, the, <laughs> the Pharisees, I almost said Philistines, the Pharisees 
hand Jesus a coin that on one side says son of the divine and the other side says high priest. Is that, is that not weird? Is that not like an affront immediately to the things of God? But what's interesting is that um, the, the interesting thing is that in that, the, you know, the Pharisees were obviously already saying, like, we're, we're more Roman than we are Jewish, right? And so the culture that you surround yourself with shapes your image. Oh, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. You guys have been standing. Oh, my goodness. I told you it's my second time. Y'all are, you, know, you guys are so wonderful. I might get some hateful emails in my inbox, but you guys, you're so kind to just, it's like the longest standing ovation I've ever gotten, so I'm so sorry. I digress, all right? Oh, man, youth pastor, right? Oh, goodness. <laughs> and so I want to ask this question today, and I want us to be thinking about this as we, we, we carry on through the rest of the sermon, which you won't have to stand through anymore, thank goodness, right? The question is, what image are you carrying in your pocket? And I see it so often, and it's easy to look at what culture is so obvious right now, and, and it's the culture of social media, right? The things that, that social media changes with, with our, our students, and I see so many students that, just like myself, as a teenager, they start to, to see images around them. They start to see different cultures around them, and they're like, you know what? That looks really attractive. I like that. And they start to add that. And then they're like, oh, I like, I like this. They start to add that to it, right? And don't hear me. Like, don't hear me wrong, right? Appearance is appearance, right? We all, we all have an, an aesthetic, right? That's the word the kids are using nowadays. But it's, we all have, have like a, an aesthetic that we like to wear. Like I, obviously I have a sense of style, even though it may not be the best style. But we all have that. But what I'm talking about is the things that come a little bit deeper with that stuff. The things that start to tell us that you're different than who God has made you to be. Things that start to tell us your values here, not in anything else. Your values in the things that you stand for, not just in what who God has made you to be. Right? So peer pressure, social media, fear, and even maybe self-righteousness. The thing that this, the Pharisees struggled with. They start to, to shape our image, and they, we start to put these coins in our pockets, right? These images in our pockets. And then when we get in situations, somebody challenges us or comes up to us. Maybe somebody needs something. We take out the first coin that we have. Maybe that coin is judgment. Somebody comes up to us, says something bad to us, and maybe that, that coin is rage. Maybe for you, nobody's listen to you for a long time. You don't feel like you're valued by anybody else. And maybe that coin is, is self-doubt. Maybe that coin is depression. And so these things start to shape our image. And what's crazy is Jesus, you know, he mentions render unto Caesar what is Caesar's in this verse. 
but he doesn't talk about who's bearing the image of God when he says, render to God what is God's, does he? And so we have to do a little bit of research. Pastor Tyler loves research, so he starts reading in God's Word. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1, 27, which says, Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so we all know this story as a story of creation when God forms Adam from the dust and then pulls a rib from his side and forms Eve. And we see this beautiful, complete creation, right? Of flesh and spirit. And when I was first preparing this message, I was like, oh, you know what? There's the answer. There it is. We all carry the image of God. And yes, we do. We have that flesh, that same flesh that Adam and Eve had. But we all know what happened with that spirit, don't we? Because Adam and Eve, they started to have their image change a little bit. And they wanted to be like God more. They wanted to have God's knowledge And so Eve, with Adam standing right next to her, he wasn't like, you know, over there talking to a yak or something like that, yakking it up, you know. Oh, gosh, terrible pun. (laughs) Sorry, that's what you get with me. Adam was right there as Eve took a bite of that. And they're cast away from God's presence. And sin enters the world. and Death enters the world. And so we're walking with a physical presence presence that, that reflects God's glory as human beings, right? That's, that's enough value right there. But there's something missing. And so, as I'm reading, I see that Adam and Eve bore the full likeness or image of God, but sin removed the completeness of humanity. And just like a coin, there's, there's two parts to us. There's, there's flesh and their spirit. And so I started reading in a devotional one day, and I was like, God, you know, I got, I got this all wrong. Like, I thought that this was going to be, like, the main point of my sermon, but it's kind of leaving me a little bit like, oh, goodness. Like, we, we, we know the story. We know that there has to be something, right? There has to be something that, that draws us back into that completeness, because God's not just going to leave us empty, is he? And so I was reading a devotional one morning, and it was Ephesians 4, 17 through 22. And I want you to be thinking about these two sides of this coin as we read this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened by their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Doesn't that sound so much like the current state of our world. People chasing every passion. People chasing every substance that they can. Trying to find wholeness. I don't think that, that people that they just chase this stuff, you know, willy-nilly. I don't know why that's the word that came to my mind. But they don't just ta- chase this stuff haphazardly, right? They're chasing it, trying to gain something. Trying to gain wholeness, but not finding it. And so you, dig, you go deeper and deeper and deeper, and next thing you know... You're lost. And thank God 
this is not where this verse ends because in verse 20 it says, but this is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds, right? Your old self is your flesh. Your new self is the spirit. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The likeness or image of God in true righteousness and holiness. You can be made whole again. But you can't keep going to that former life. You can't keep going to those things that just leave you empty time after time again. You need a new self. You need to put on that new self. What, what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean? It's just like just putting on new clothes? It means that you have to recognize there is somebody that took your place on a cross, died a death that you deserve to, to die, but didn't stay dead and was resurrected. And because of the righteousness of Christ, God's true image is being completed. And it's through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so because of Christ, you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you. Because of Christ, you are a son or daughter, therefore an heir through God. There, because of Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are anointed. You are free indeed. You are strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. You are called and chosen and faithful, and you are are the righteousness of God. Man. See, so many people walk through life lacking purpose, lacking joy, lacking peace. We have all of these things. You are all these things. If you belong to Jesus, you are all these things. So I ask again, whose likeness is in your pocket? Today, it doesn't matter what image you've walked in here with. You can walk out looking like your creator. Man, isn't that some good news today? You can walk out with joy, peace, and purpose. Everybody go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we just thank you that your righteousness has made us whole. Your sacrifice on the cross has given us peace we could never imagine, joy we could never imagine. And I pray today, Lord, for those that have, have walked in here with a, an image that has been shaped by whatever 
culture they've allowed to influence them, God. And I just pray that you, you break that chain today, God. If it's not honoring you, I pray that you break those chains off. Lord, the anger, the frustration, the doubt, the fear, break those things off today. Let them know that you are true righteousness. You are, you are the true full image of God. Just thank you so much for all this, and we just pray all in Jesus' holy, amazing name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.